Warning. By listening to the conversations on this podcast, you will begin to live the intrepid way. Life is short and moving fast. Only we can show you how to fully integrate a new business mindset coupled with a lifestyle design that will equip you with a new approach to overcoming and in fact thriving on the daily grind of life. And now, here is your host, Todd Schnick. Good morning and welcome back to the Intrepid Way podcast. Going to be a really fun conversation. Had a cool pre-show chat with today's guest. and I think we're going to have a lot of fun. And we both have similar passions. Uh, we're going to talk about courage today. And you all know the show is called the Intrepid Way podcast. And the business is named Intrepid because I want people to be intrepid, live intrepid, work intrepid. So today's conversation is going to go a long way to helping us be more intrepid and be more courageous. It's going to be great, great fun. Let's get to it. We're joined this morning by Ryan Berman. He's the author of a new book called Return on Courage, and he's the founder of two organizations, one called Courageous, which is a consultancy, and then there's another little charitable organization called Sock Problems. Uh, Ryan, welcome to the show. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. How are you holding up over there? I'm doing good. Nice and chilly today. It's perfect here in Chicago. We love it when it's cold. So anyway, really uh, excited to have you on the show. Appreciate you carving out some time to join us. Um, I want to get into this book, Return on Courage, and talk about courage. Before we go there, however, take a quick second. Tell us a bit about you, your background, and the work that you're out there doing. Sure. My name is, as you said, Ryan Berman. I'm the founder of Courageous. The way I describe it is it's a special forces change consultancy. And I don't think you can have a conversation about courage without really having a conversation about change. And what I've learned is that I think we, all, we can all agree is that change is hard. It's hard to talk about. It's hard to start. Uh, one of the reasons I wrote the book, my aha moment was, wow, this could be a sort of a good way to start a difficult conversation about change, whether it's in your business or you're, you're an entrepreneur or even in your life, although really the the subtitle of the book is it's a business playbook for courageous change. So, so Courageous helps companies take on change, and there's three places we focus. First, we focus at the culture level, and second, the story level, what's the story of the brand, or and then third is from an innovation standpoint, how are we actually going to get out of what I call the business apocalypse, which I cover in the book to actually propel forward with new innovation. Outstanding. I, I guess where I want to really, really start before we dive into the book itself is, is I want you to define courage for me, or at least how you think about it. I, so I think there's still way too many people out there that think they need to be fearless. I don't think such a, a state actually exists. And, and in fact, how I define courage is, yeah, you're afraid of something, but you still proceed anyway. So, and that's, that's, that's courage is when you know that this is scary and it's going to be hard, but you still move and start action. I mean, is, is that, am I on the right path there with the definition of what courage is? Oh, definitely. Oh, de and I have a, I have a sort of a gripe with the word fearless. I actually think we should fear more. Right. Mm, love you, know, it. I, you know, I think, I think we should fear more. And the problem is that we, we don't smoke out what that fear is. So, you know, we suppress fear versus address fear. And I think. Just to give you my definition of courage, I think you have to understand that there's this there's this famous proverb that fear and courage are brothers, that you actually can't get to the courageous choice without channeling it first through fear. So when you talk about, 
you know, I'm afraid of something, but I'm going to power through. That's a that's a pretty darn good definition, a good place to start. What I learned from the book, and by the way, you know, the big joke on writing a book is that somehow you get all the credit because your name's on the cover, but really you should turn to the acknowledgement section because the thousand-day journey of talking to people way smarter than me on how they've unlocked courage in their lives is how the book became the book. And it led me to realizing we do have the wrong idea of what courage is. In fact, in the book, I talk about the six courage myths. We think courage is impulsive, or we think courage is jumping out of a plane without a parachute, or we think courage isn't for you. You think it's for some Hollywood protagonist or or police officer or someone taking a bullet and and by the way that is courage too but you know i do think courage can play a role in your everyday life and in, in corporations now more than ever in these courage deficient times now more than ever we need courageous leadership and so my definition of courage is very simply knowledge plus faith plus action equals courage and it's a simple formula that anyone can use to spot a courageous opportunity in their work as it's happening in real time and again by the way it has to be all three so knowledge and faith without action is paralysis right you know what you need to do you feel it on the inside but for some reason you're spinning you don't pull the trigger faith and action without knowledge is frankly reckless you know, there have been times in my life where I'll have like a conversation with my mom. I'm like, oh, I'm going to actually um, – I'm going to write a book about courage. And she she goes, oh, oh, that's courageous. You know, she means that's stupid, right? She means <laughs> – you know, and so some people think, to your point, that that courage is risky. And I, I always say courage always starts with knowledge. There's a massive difference between calculated courage and careless courage. And just to put an end on the, the definition, I also think knowledge and action without faith – and we talk about faith, we're not talking about religion, we're talking about inner belief. Like if you don't feel a little bit of something happening on the inside, if you're just sort of numb, you have the knowledge, you take action, but you're probably just kind of working on status quo. You're working on safe. So, you know, the intrepid way I would say is the courageous way and it's having knowledge, faith and action to do so. Yeah, I absolutely love that formula. We'll very likely steal it and use it often. It's perfect. It really, it really helps you kind of simply understand how you move forward. I mean, because here's the thing. I mean, I love you, and I love your notion of you need to fear more versus fear less, because I think fear is an important indicator that something cool is about to happen, right? Because that that's showing you there's a big thing that you need to undertake. Um, yeah, it could be fearless that you need to avoid a tiger running at you. I, I get that, but <laughs> but in the context of the modern world, we're not being hunted by big animals. But when you're afraid of something, that's a sign. All right, maybe it's change. Maybe it's uh, you know uh, it's something it's something big that that just frightens you. But that's that means it's something probably worth applying that formula to to use this conversation, right? Totally. And yeah, and again, I I think the as a marketer. You know, one of the, the the big sort of levers is the importance of data today, and I think data is a means to getting to knowledge. And in some ways, like you just said, if you feel fear unemotionally, that's just a data point. Yep. That's all it is. Yep. It's just a a piece of of information. It's a bit of information that's telling you, okay, I'm recognizing 
that this is bigger. This is something else. It, it's almost a, like a clarity lever as well on helping you get to your what's next. All right. So let's not dive into this book. So again, return on courage. So you rattle off a, a bunch of statistics of 52% of Fortune 500 companies that just from the year 2000 no longer exist. Significant percentage of startups fail within less than two years. What does that have to do with courage? And I mean, gosh, how many organizations, how many business people are so risk averse? How, how does this apply to businesses and, and what kind of risks should they be thinking about taking? Yeah, first of all, I mean, the statistics are absurdly staggering. I mean, over half of the Fortune 500, as you said, since 2000 are gone. And evidently, we're predicted to have 9,000 brands that carousel on and off the Fortune 500 over the next six decades. But the, the problem is most people think statistics are for other people, so they don't take them seriously. They're like, oh, that's, that'll never happen to us. So the reason I sort of you know pepper the early part of the book with the statistics that are found in what I call the business apocalypse is to be like, hey, audience, I'm shaking you. The, just like the hospitality business really didn't take Airbnb seriously, they saw it coming, right? Right. But but they didn't really like put a strategy in place. They just sort of hoped it wouldn't get them. And as as we all know, hoping is not a a wise strategy right. to spend dollars against. So so to start, it's just sort of to like this is very real, and and companies are perishing at an alarming rate is one of the truths of the business apocalypse. To me, you sort of add on if I'm a company, and let's assume, okay, so this is coming for me. Now what? So go back to the definition of courage, of knowledge, faith, and action. So what what knowledge should I trust, right? You know, and the more knowledge that I trust, hopefully I have more faith, and then I can follow that to take action. And to me, I think it's this is where the the actual price workshop comes in to play. So as you work your way back to the back half of the book, this is, there's an actual instructional manual to teaching companies how to train courageously in a calculated fashion. And there's a price. There's a price you pay to become a courage brand. And I, I believe every company on the planet sits somewhere between a coward brand and a courage brand. And of course, nobody wants to be a coward brand. And that's why I kind of mentioned it. it's like, hey, like let's take an audit of where we are, really, and start to work our way up to what we need to become a courage brand. Well, what does a coward brand look like? I mean, what are the what are the traits? So someone listening says, well, wait a minute, that's not us, but maybe it is, or they're not willing to admit it. How do you identify that? You know, again, I think it goes back to the tenets of knowledge, faith, and action. What I've seen with most coward brands is they know what they should do. They might even feel that it's the right thing to do. But for some reason, they can't pull the trigger. They don't take action. And so they're stuck in that little loop of paralysis. And maybe maybe they're, they're afraid to have a conversation with somebody in the C-suite. So I think, to me, the, the big thing is for a coward brand is knowing – uh, if you know something and you feel something, then it's time to do something and take action. And most coward brands, for one reason or another, they choose not to take action. And then they get past or worse, they die. And then they're sort of left shrugging as to uh, maybe in a heap of regret as to why they really didn't take a chance at, at going for it. All right. When we come back from the break, we're going to talk about what he means by return on courage. So Ryan and I will return after this short break. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by the new international best-selling book, Leadership Rigor. This groundbreaking book will turn everything you think you know about leadership upside down. 
Leadership Rigor explores how to achieve breakthrough performance and productivity through leading yourself, leading teams, and leading at the organizational level. Author Erica Pietler outlines for her readers how to become change-ready leaders. Change-ready leaders are capable of embracing challenges with agility and optimism because they have the tools, models, and language to assess, structure, and facilitate solutions. Leadership is a skill that can be learned and practiced. Take the rigor challenge and ask yourself, do you want to lead mindfully and skillfully? Or do you want to subject your teams and organizations to your unstructured thoughts and approaches? The choice is yours. Will you rigor it? You can purchase Leadership Rigor on Amazon or by visiting ericpetler.com. All right, I'm back with Ryan Berman, the author of a new book called Return on Courage. So, Ryan, I suspect if you go to Amazon and you search for books about how to deal with fear and becoming fearless and all those different ways to describe it, there's probably countless titles. Why did the world need this one? And, and what's the special nuance to Return on Courage? I'm guessing it's somewhat a play on Return on Investment, but walk us through what this actually means. Sure, yeah, great question. So there's actually multiple reasons why we ended up going with return on courage. One of them is, as you perfectly stated, yes, I do believe that ROC is how you can maximize your ROI. And But the other one is, I think for any willing business being or brand, you can return on the courage platform. And one of the things I learned is that people have the wrong idea of the word courage. So in some odd way, the third definition, I am actually want to return courage, the word, repair the word and return it back to the to the business lexicon where it belongs because people do have the wrong idea they think it's careless or they think it's you know impulsive when really i see courage as a corporate competitive advantage for any company who chooses to unlock it i agree 100% on that and and i think the key to understanding what you really mean is that formula again right because I think there's still too many people who, when you say you need to be more courageous in your business, you need to take risks, that people say, well, that's silly, isn't it? I mean, that, that's dangerous. But the, but when you apply the formula again, the, you know, the knowledge side of this thing, that's where this begins to be, you're taking calculated risks, which are absolutely necessary, right? Yeah. And again, I think there's a lot of books out there in the universe about your why, yeah. like helping you find your why. And I just didn't see a ton of books on helping you figure out the how. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. so now so now you've got your why, but, but then now what? And so I do think many people want to be courageous. They just don't know how. And and the whole goal of the book is to train people and to teach people and to walk them step by step through the process of becoming a courage brand. And one of the aha moments I had on why we need this is because of the way we're wired. So I had a chance to talk to fear expert Nicholas Alp. He's a Cambridge PhD, amazing guy, immunologist. And he talks about our central nervous systems and how outdated they really are and how archaic we really are and that we build up our, our nervous system, but we can't get rid of the evolutionary layers of the way we're wired. So the aha moment I had was like, wow, I wonder, I wonder if I could reprogram our central nervous systems and like let's break that down at the core of you is this operating system that's calling all the shots for you that's designed for your nervous tick right and your, and your brain is saying don't touch that don't think that don't say that don't don't go there keep it inside and so i was like well i wonder if i could help you develop a central courage system to combat 
the realities of the way we're wired. And that wouldn't be easy, but if you could do it, then that would be the massive competitive advantage. And if 95% of us, this is what the experts say, 95% of us are stuck in freezer flight, and I could teach you to fight. Like you could be part of the 5% that knew how to fight, calculated in a calculated fashion. That is a wild competitive advantage to take out of the world with you. Um, and that's what the back half of the book really is. It's the courage branch training to teach you how to develop your central courage system. Yeah, I love this idea of the central courage system. And I, is can anyone do this? I mean, I, I think there are people who say I'm just not a courageous person. I'm 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 a cog in a, in a corporate wheel, and and my job is to come in and do my job and go home at five o'clock and watch Netflix. I mean, can can you learn this? Can you become courageous? I mean, is this a skill that one can develop? So this is where you're like, I wish this was video right now, because then this is the moment I would show the cover of the book and you would see <laughs> that the that there's this massive keyhole and behind the keyhole is the lion, right? And you know what? It's there for any willing being or brand, but I can't unlock it for you. All I can do is sort of once you do unlock it, give you the tools to try to be more courageous. And, I, and the good news about courage, too is I do think it's relative. I think it's very much like skiing. Like, I got to get you to the mountain, but it's I'm, if I can just get you from like a bunny slope to an intermediate, gold. If I can get you an intermediate to a black diamond. So think of courage like a muscle that you're building, and you're building, and over time, courage breeds courage. So the more you do it, the more confident you'll get, and the more the easier it becomes to do it again and again. And And if you're running a big organization, by the way, your staff will reward you for that behavior. They will feel when you'll empower them to be courageous. And again, it'll, it'll make it easier for them to do it again and again and again, which propels your business forward. And that's the action side of that formula is, is you can't do this if you don't actually take that step. I mean, how many times, how many times I'm doing it myself today and I'm angry at myself. There's a task I've got to do. And I don't want to do it. I, I just don't like it. I just don't. But it's one of those things where you sit there and you agonize and you worry about it and you, you fiddle around and you come up with a thousand other things to do instead of the one task. But once once you start, once you take the first step, all of a sudden all that goes away and you're just, you're just into it. And I mean, it happens to me every single time I do something I don't want to do. Uh, so that that's how you develop that muscle, I think, is just, all right, you, now you know what to do. You have faith that it's the right thing to do, and then, well, then do it. Because then once you once you jump off that ski slope or jump off the diving board on a high high dive, once you do it, oh, boom! All of a sudden, everything changes, right? Yeah, I mean, again, you're on your way, and yeah. again, you still need to know your why, why you're doing it. I I really do think, from a business standpoint, we're living. I mean, we're kind of dealing with this clarity epidemic, and so. Again, having total clarity of the knowledge you should follow on a regular basis is key. Um, the midpoint of the book is a three-page chapter called Break Glass Before Emergency. So it's kind of like, <laughs> you know, when the courage opportunity arises, you kind of have to have these skills baked in so you can then activate it and take action on it. And and that's really what the what Return on Courage is about. It's helping you learn the skills you need and trust which knowledge you should follow and, frankly, which knowledge you should leave behind because it's cloudy out there. And so if the book can help you sort of get clarity on the knowledge you should follow, that makes it easier to follow and then take action. Who is this for? So think of uh, an org chart in a business or some sort of an organization. 
is this only for management in the C-suite or is this, these lessons apply to every single human in that organization? You know, the, the number one core value of Courageous, which is my consultancy, is sacrifice. It's the number one thing we look at. And what is that code for? It means we help companies and leaders make choices. And we had to make a choice on this book too. And the choice was to make a book for anyone who sees themselves today or tomorrow as a courageous difference maker inside an organization. So, you know, that person that wants to make a difference, who might right now have some frustration with the way the shots are being called um, in their company. And for anyone who wants to get ahead, because you may be at a company today and in a new company tomorrow and you're trying to get ready to run that race and propel yourself up the org chart. Well, this book is as much for them as it is for leaderships who are calling the shots today inside companies. When I do say we had to make choices, yes, I really do believe that the price methodology, by the way, I never thought I'd be that guy with the method. And here I am, I'm that guy with the method um, that teaches companies how to be courageous. But the price methodology, which is prioritize, rally, identify, commit, and execute, and again, each one of these steps is covered deeply in the book. And, yeah, we're, and we're going to get into that next. Okay, cool. Again, it, it, it really is for, for any willing soul who chooses to try to make their company better, even when it's hard, even when there's fear, um, even when there's stress. All right. So anyone listening to this can can apply these principles in this system and all that. And, and I think I'm, I'm sitting in a high rise in downtown Chicago. I'm looking out my window. I see dozens and dozens and dozens of of other high rises full of people right now that are full of fear. <laughs> They're afraid to take any kind of dramatic step in their organization. They hate their job. They're bored. They don't find any purpose or meaning. They dread Sunday nights because they have to go back to work Monday morning. They they celebrate hump day. They, they're counting the minutes to 5 p.m. on Friday to go home. And when they go home, they sit and watch Netflix all night long and, and sort of actually getting out there and doing important things. I mean, th this is key to life. I don't think you can live a good life. You can't live your best self if you're operating from this context of being a coward or being fearful. This this is I mean, most of our conversation today has from the, been from the context of how to do this in a, in, a, in a business and the importance of that. But I mean, you can't go through this life and and be on your deathbed and celebrate it if you've spent your whole life being afraid. Yeah, and again, that means you need to know what you're all about. You know, that means you yeah. need to do the hard work. Um, and, and, you know, I'm going to, this comment is first about business, but then about self. So we talk a lot about in business about the North Star. And this is the place where we're going. We're going, we're going to find our North Star. And I think the most exceptional companies on the planet aren't looking out into the distance for some North Star. It's actually the exact opposite. It's already right, like right there. The North Star is right there beside them. It's inside them. They have total clarity in who they are. And there's no daylight between the personal them and the professional them. That is where the price method starts off with prioritizing through values. But if you ask people to rattle off their values, they look at you like you had seven heads. And you know what I found myself saying is, listen, core values, they're not eye rolls. They're how the exceptional role. And when you have them, you actually know where in life you should spend your time. And if you don't really know what you stand for, how do you ever really know when to take a stand? So I'm 42. And so the movie 
of my generation. I don't actually don't know if this was ever on Netflix. Probably not. <laughs> uh, the movie of my generation was Jerry Maguire. Mm. And that movie had three rock star lines, right? The first was, show me the money, Jerry. Show me the money. But we like that line. Show me the money. That's a good line. The second line was, was you had me head a low. Yep. Okay, that was super sweet. Endearing moment. You could feel the goosebumps. The third line was, you complete me. And I think you complete me completely messed up my entire generation because <laughs> I don't, really believe, you know, I don't believe in you complete me. I, I believe in me complete me. You know, I do believe in you compliment me. But I think uh, if you're looking for someone else to complete you, well, over time, I mean, that's the problem. And the more you compromise, I do think the more compromised you are. So I, I love this notion of how can I create a me complete me versus a you complete me. And that's what values really do. And in the book, whether you're a business or a being or you're a one-person business, helping you gain clarity on on the things that matter most and really locking in your values and just picking a few of them. I can tell you for – it took me about two years to really lock mine in. I was ruthless with myself. And I can rattle off my personal core values, which happen to be very different, by the way, than Courageous is my company's core values. So I want to get into this price model, this uh, this method, uh, this five-part system. I mean, we've touched on it so far, and you just went into the values part, which I agree with you. Most people think, all right, well, I'll put a cool motivational poster over the receptionist desk, and we've done our values work. Uh, or they, because there's a checklist saying, you know, there's a book that says you have to have values. All right, well, here's our values, and let's put it in the, in the folder and, and and distribute the memo and then get on with our day. No, this is this has to be your core, and 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 it's and again it goes back I, as a, as you can see I'm all into this formula of yours. I mean this is it's, it's essential to the successful application of that formula. So I I don't know <laughs> I'm scared to go down this price path because we could take another three hours going through that. So I think what yeah. I want to ask you to do, Ryan, is if you can, and I don't mind if this takes a few minutes, if you can kind of walk us through the the five system itself, kind of walk us through, it, and then I may follow that up with a couple of, of, of questions. So if you can just kind of share with us, because people are saying, well, how do I do this? Well, I think this is how. So if you could just kind of walk us through, again, that five-part system. Sure. So this is this is the price of building your central courage system. It's the price of becoming a courage brand and price is an acronym. And the first two steps are what I would call organizational health steps. And then the final three steps are what I would call courageous business steps. It starts with prioritizing through values. I think you said it so perfectly, Todd. Like people, they, they may have their values, but companies are using them as like CYA values or they're collecting dust in an employee manual when really the values were put on this planet to help you make decisions and help you drive behavior for yourself and for your team. So if a company has values and then they're truly not living them or they've got 17 values and like I'm not a robot yet, I can't remember 17 <laughs> values, I can remember three values, it's really like chiseling down what's most important. Imagine you've got multiple offices. You know, how do you get everybody on the same page? It, it starts with the values of the company. So in the spirit of time, that's really the first step. It kind of goes back to like really understanding what we're all about and, and sacrificing the rest. And once you have those and they're clear and you're rewarding your people off of those values, maybe you even have line items on your budget off of the values, then you can actually start to attract your people and find your people. And that leads us to the second step, which is rally believers. And I think companies, you know this, you even make a believer or fake believers. 
And fake believers, unfortunately, don't wear a T-shirt that says fake believer. They walk around and they nod and smile and they've got their coffee and then they roll their eyes and productivity drops and they're miserable with their lives. And so I think there's ways when you have the right values to find your people. You know, SpaceX is a great example. Technically, there's no proof, total proof, at least that they've shared with us, that they're going to be wildly successful in everything that they do. But they have believers in that company. There is true conviction for what they're doing, which makes people want to stick around for that story. They want to be part of the metaphorical rocket ship helping a company you know, actually propel rocket ships into space. It's super cool. So that's the second step is like actually like how do you rally believers? How do you actually make a believer in a company? And those are the first two steps of the book. Well, the believers is key. Uh, and, you know, I immediately thought of uh, millennials. They have this bad rap of being job hoppers. Well, the, the reason is, is that they want meaning in their organizations. They want to be believers. And when they're not, and when management and the C-suite don't seem to care, and everyone's eye rolling on the values, then they, they, they go elsewhere because that's what they're seeking. I know plenty of millennials who, who will plan to be with their organization as long as they can because they, they feel like they're part of something. I mean, yeah, and that, you have to believe to be courageous. I mean, it's it's the key element to, I mean, this is the guy who who goes through gunfire to, to rescue his, his fellow soldiers because he believes in what they're about in that unit, right? And so they're willing to risk their life to help, help their comrades, but because they believe in what they're doing, right? I wrote this book at first, part of this journey in 2015. So I wrote this book to position my last company and it gave me the courage to fire myself. <laughs> and it's because I fully believe in my next and my what's next. I fully believe that why courage now? Like, because we need it now. Like companies, good companies are, are dying off. And there are people who are in charge who can save these companies. And so even just by coming on your show and talking to your audience, you know, the challenge is, hey, this is on you, courageous leader, to make believers. And if you don't make a believer out of yourself, good luck making a believer out of anybody else that wants to be to work, actually work for you. In the section, it's funny you mentioned millennials. There are four ways to make a believer. Respecting makes believers. Mm. Caring makes believers. Repeating makes believers. I, I know it might be annoying for you because you keep saying the same thing over and over again, but you have to repeat yourself to make sure your message is being heard loud and clear. It's the only way to create alignment in a company. And then finally, seeing is believing. So I don't know if you remember that PSA, if you see something, say something. Mm -hmm. And this is the flip. If you say something, your staff better see something. If you say you stand for, for courage and then you continue to make safe choices, well, your staff is smart enough to smell that out. Right. That, that's another way to make a fake believer. Yep. I love it. Love it. All right. So the next step in the model, please. Yeah. So now we're moving into what I call the courageous business steps. And the first step is identify fear. And we've talked a little bit about fear already. But the way I'm trying to go about it is more from a business lens. So I find it interesting that SWAT has somehow survived 60 years as the standard <laughs> um, and, and for businesses. And so I'm just – this is sort of a better way to SWAT. It's a true audit of an industry fear or a perception fear, which is marketing, or a product fear. And then I also challenge you to talk about personal fears because – we're all still humans and we all have our own fears and nobody wants to get fired and nobody wants to feel like 
they're on an island alone. And so all we're doing is smoking out those big things, those big fears that could take down our business. Because if we smoke them out proactively, we actually can put a plan together versus it just showed up and now we have to react. So the whole concept of fear is just is just to turn them into data points, recognize what could take your business down, and then you get to decide if you want to invest in those things or at least put a plan in place to shrink down those fears. I love it. I love it. What else? So then we're on to the C, which is commit to a purpose. And this is this is exactly like you said about millennials. They wear their values on their sleeves. Yep. They're going to be 75% of our workforce in the next decade. And, and when I talk about millennials, yes, I, I do think they want to have their cake, they want to eat it too, and they want the cake to be gluten-free. But, <laughs> you know, but they do. They want they want to work for purpose-driven companies. And so committing to a purpose is – and it really just, just helps you land on a, a purpose that's not BS. It's finding a truthful purpose that people can rally around. Um, I know we talked a little bit about our why already. The only little spin on that I would say is I don't think it's enough just to know your why. There really has to – you really have to inject a rally cry in that why. Mm -hmm. So people want to stick around, which is why I think SpaceX has people that are fully conviction for that story. And that whole section is just, let's find our cause, let's find our purpose, and let's do it in an authentic and meaningful way. And then we're down to the final step. This is the Yoda step. This is the do or do not. There is no try step. It's it's execute your action. So um, the action might be different. This this part of the book is a little bit of a choose-your-own-adventure, frankly, because I don't know if the action, the change needs to be on the culture. Does the change need to be on your story? Or does the change need to be on your offering or innovation? But in the book, we sort of break down how do you cover and move if you've got your whole business is under one line and you can move to your next revenue stream. Or if you're in marketing, I talk about the four P's of advocacy and how do you actually create an advocate that wants to love you and talk about you and share you forward. And really that's just the action piece. How do you create the action that you're looking for? Yeah, it's a great, it's a great model. I guess one question I want to ask you about this, this final step, the executing your action. I think part of the problem in a lot of business organizations is a lack of empowerment, right? So someone says, well, I have an idea or I have a creative endeavor I want to take that I think can advance our goals, uh, serve a client well, whatever, but they're afraid to take the step because they're waiting for uh, permission. So, I mean, how, how important is that? I mean, what role does management or team leader or division leader, or certainly the C-suite, to empower your people to actually take take action uh, without fear of retribution and you know fear of making a mistake and being punished? Uh, our cultures are infused with this punitive nature, and and that that stifles courage, does it not? Totally. And I, to your point, it's not only do I perceive it to be empowerment. I think I think there's a lack of process to create mm. space to create space for experiment uh, experimentation. And to me, if there's process, if we're open to the idea, and we actually plan for the idea of spotting a courageous opportunity, even if it's not right in front of our face. And by the way, when is a courageous opportunity staring you right in the face? It takes exploration. Then you can actually like put a team in place to go find and create a recommendation. And I'll give an example. Jason Sparrow is a vice president at Google. And in my interview with him, he says, I would take 5% of my budget. I would take some of my best people and I'm going to, and I give them six months, give them time, space and a budget. And shelter, and like you've got six months to come back with a recommendation that I can move twenty percent of my budget to. Now that's process, and that's mm -hmm. empowering. 
And to me, I think that's that's the planning part of this. So, so the planning part of this is just like how do I actually create what I call an experimental task force and let them play and make sure they're filled with your best people. And by the way, you know what? Sometimes they are going to fail. It's so funny. I, I, by the way, tell me what you think of this. I, I want to make this T-shirt called I, I hate fake it till you make it. I just say I just think it's the worst. It's the worst line in the universe. Fake it till you make it. <laughs> so I want to make this T-shirt. Out. It's called "Mistake it till you make it." Love okay, it. mistake. Okay, mistake it till you make it. So, so to me, they may come back with a whole slew of learnings, but nothing concrete. And yes, it takes time and money. But like the alternative is getting past, and you're going to die. And so, so these creating these experimental task forces to go play and come back hopefully with a recommendation that can propel your business forward is critical. Yeah, you know, I, I, I'm thinking a lot now about this notion that I think there's a lot of people that think that being fearless uh, or being courageous is is a gut move, is a, is an instinctual act, reaction to something, and, and, and I'm, I'm I think that's part of it. But you're right. I mean, there's a lot of planning and process that that feed into this. And, and again, I keep going back to this, but that feeds into that formula. Yeah, there's a massive difference between risky and risk. Right. right? And, and so I think risk is is calculated and it's putting a plan in place to propel the company and yourself forward. And that, that's when you need courage. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, before we go, one last uh, quick comment here or a question for you. Uh, you just mentioned a gentleman from Google. I, this book isn't full of Ryan Berman theory. I mean, you actually talk to real courageous people doing some pretty interesting things. Talk a little bit more about some of the other folks that you've talked to. Yeah, I mean, it's, it was an awesome ride, frankly. I got to sit with Steve Wilhite, who used to run global marketing for Apple, or Eric Ryan, who's the founder of Method Soap, and Jason Sparrow at Google, and Jack Williams, who basically um, was at the, the, the president of Royal Caribbean with no plan B. If their Voyager cruise ship didn't work, that company, he, he doesn't think it would be around today. And wow. so, you know, I got to sit and listen to these amazing people running amazing companies and then of course i listen to you know when you perceive cur- what what you perceive courageous to be so i got to sit with an astronaut a navy seal a tornado chaser a, a flight attendant who are now trained for terrorism by the way that's a whole slew of training that's needed to do that job a bank teller robbed at gunpoint just a fireman just people that we i would say are under the extreme courage mm-hmm. bucket and then finally just talking to people that studied the way that we're wired and try to understand the inner workings of our brain and what slows us down in that arena. And you throw that all in the soup. Um, and that's how you come up with a, with a method to teach people how to be courageous. I love it. All right, Ryan, uh, we are now out of time. Before I let you go, though, a couple of pieces of admin here. So should someone want to connect with you and uh, talk to you about some of these ideas, uh, this model and these methods, uh, how do they find you? Where do they learn more about your organization's courageous and sock problems? And then finally, where do they get their hands on a copy of the book, Return on Courage? Yeah, I mean, most of, of, of the information on us can be found at couragebrands.com. So again, I think that gives you direct access to the book. If you did want to buy the book directly off of Amazon, you can do that. Again, look under uh, Return on Courage by Ryan Berman. Hopefully you like it. Hopefully, and I, didn't write, I didn't write the book to collect dust, so hopefully it helps you. And again, you can also track me down on LinkedIn at Ryan Berman. I think the the dot com backslash is courageous ideas. Outstanding. Yeah, this is a book that needs uh, dog ears and lots of marginalia. This is not something that sits on a shelf. All right. Ryan Berman, the author of the new book, Return on Courage and the founder of Courageous. Ryan, it was a real pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks for stopping by and giving us some time. Thanks for having me, Todd. If you ever get West, 
look me up, man. Absolutely. All right. All the time we have for today. Again, on behalf of my guest, Ryan Berman, I am Todd Schnick. We'll see you again soon on the Intrepid Way podcast. Thank you for paying attention to today's conversation. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and most podcast apps by searching for The Intrepid Way. And to support our work, we would certainly appreciate a rating and review. To learn more, check out toddschnick.com. That's T-O-D-D-S-C-H-N-I-C-K.com. We'll see you next time.